Sylvia, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio. Thank you for joining us for this, uh, the fourth episode of The Gathering Podcast. Oh, that's cool. The I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. And the series is off to a great start. We've had so far, uh, you know, our mission, of course, is to share tips, tricks, anecdotes, anything that's helpful in perspective or comedy um, for people that support teams, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the whole thing of gathering. And so far we've had, you know, people in charge of people from a VP level, large corporations. We've had um, technical recruiter. We just had a technical recruiter. Uh, and then, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some perspectives from the world of co-working as well. So the whole idea is to kind of give a, a full 360 on, on teams, team culture coming out of the pandemic, what hybrid looks like for people, mm -hmm. all that jazz. So we'll see <laughs> what we talk about. Uh, but to jump into it, Zulu Alpha Kilo. <laughs> Yes. What did I just say? <laughs> Break it down for us. Break it down. Okay, so uh, Zach, our founder, yeah, um, he he parted ways uh, and and built his own firm, and it's been about or agency, I should say. Parted ways with what? He was at Taxi, so oh, okay, he had okay. he had a prominent position, you know, a great role at Taxi, and he decided that he wanted to go out and do his own thing about fourteen years ago. And he did just that. And Zulu is, um, it's a beautiful place. Obviously, um, the core of what we do is is a creative agency. Mm -hmm. So um, for some people, that means advertising. <laughs> for others, it means other things. Um, but I always like to speak in my own way, like what it means to me. And Zulu, to me, is a beautiful um, patchwork blanket of creative people um, with unique disciplines and, and lived experience coming together and creating this wicked work that we do. Mm -hmm. um, some is really funny, some is really meaningful, but at the end of the day, it's to really support our clients and their growth and their vision. And uh, we just believe that there should be more creativity in this world. And so that's what Zulu does. And I'm just going to do this real quick. We'll go like that. <laughs> And then I think that that'll pick you up a little bit better. Thank um, you. Yeah, no problem. And so wait, okay, so that sounds beautiful, <laughs> right? You described it, it very well. You work at the best place to work in the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like what does Zulu Alpha Kilo specifically do so as a... Is it an agency? It, it is an advertising, advertising agency. Advertising agency. Like if... I, I just feel like when... We prefer to be a creative agency. Right. Right. Yeah, no one but, uses that word advertising anymore, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like some some people find it icky. Yeah. Um I I could go either way. I'm pretty flexible, but um but yeah, I think the basis of what we do is creativity, but it's obviously through strategy, through digital, through media, mm -hmm. um, through the creative aspect. And that could be like copy and art. Uh, direction to design and and uh, production and post production. So we have all of those capabilities. And what's the? Uh, I mean, how big is is this? You know, creative agency. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we spent the first fourteen years here in Canada only, um, and this year was a very exciting year. And the reason I was joining mm -hmm. um, is uh, we opened up a Vancouver office. 
And we also opened up an office in New York City. So it's been a really, really incredible year uh, for Zulu, both from that perspective, but also from the perspective of just doing some incredible work that got recognized on a global basis. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, example campaigns from that? Like anything that, that you like particularly, let's say? Yeah, like the, there's one that's come out right now. And, um, you know, I'm going to hopefully do it justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Remembrance Day is coming up. Yes. And we worked with Home Equity. And I guess the basis behind um, this campaign was that there are soldiers that have been um, in war, World War One, World War Two, and they've lived across, you know, our our country. Mm-hmm. And we um, created uh, this campaign where original letters by these soldiers were delivered um, to the neighborhoods of, um, you know, these soldiers across Canada, who, and who might have totally different. You know, yeah, like, inhabitants now who don't really know the history of their neighbors yes, or the, that yeah, there, the history that there was of the a soldier that lived in that neighborhood. That's amazing. And you can you can donate to this campaign through a digital poppy, mm-hmm. which um, you know, I, there's obviously a lot more strategy and, and conversation around you know how everything played out, but but it's just a heartwarming, beautiful campaign to really demonstrate. Um, the, the importance of Remembrance Day mm-hmm. and a way to connect us all to our neighborhoods like that, you know, there was someone that lived in our neighborhood that fought for our country, maybe even lived in our own house, the house that we live in yeah. today. I think that's amazing. That is a cool uh, campaign to have seen happen at the place where you work. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's always nice when the work that your company does like has impact on society, right? Mm-hmm. And um and that's also something interesting because in this day of like, you know, hybrid realities and digital first and people kind of being distributed uh, and we'll get into kind of what that <laughs> means for you guys, uh, you know, for the work to transcend that and, and bring stuff home. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an undercurrent theme in some of the last few podcasts that we've we've done in the last couple of weeks is people um, really recommending in in looking back on the success of their careers on camera, on mic here in the studio. Uh, a lot of people have been telling me about uh, their success was, uh, or they think, I guess, relying on old school tech is what people say <laughs> over and over again, you know, for, for success. And it's like, connect people. It always comes back to community and people. Mm-hmm. And that's also why, you know, some of the backdrop of this series. So growth coming out of the pandemic for the organization, mm-hmm. 100 plus people? 150 or about. 150 people. Mm-hmm. Across Canada with a footprint in New York, a pied a terre in Manhattan. <laughs> um, that's really cool. And it's interesting because some of the teams that we've been talking to are globally distributed. You know, some of the teams are very kind of like local, but distributed across the city, right? In our mm-hmm. greater Toronto area that is so large. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this kind of like uh, as the team has grown, how you, how has that impacted the work or responsibilities on you for uh, facilitating that and managing? sticking them together, connecting these people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for me, um, I'm the head of talent attraction. So, you know, coming here, I, I've almost been with, with uh, Zulu for a year mm-hmm. this month. Congratulations. And so thank you. <laughs> and in the first um, seven, eight months of joining here, I helped to build, you know, 
foot, feet on the ground in Vancouver, New York City, as well as just like onboarding myself as a leader and getting my feet on the ground myself, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I would say like I was doing multiple things at the same time, um, helping the company like establish the the basis that you need in order to be successful and scalable, right? Um, But also, you know, getting the word out that you know, Zulu's growing and right. we're looking at talent in different markets and, and quite frankly, looking at talent from around the world, like not just yeah, in course. the places that, that we have offices. you want the best people. Of course we do. And they're everywhere. <laughs> they are everywhere. <laughs> and and so, you know, that's that's an everyday thing in my life is how can I get more people to learn about Zulu, um, to think we're wickedly cool, <laughs> to want... To bring their beautiful being and craft to our to our essence to our yeah. building, um, whether it's a virtual building or in our office, and um, yeah, and to do to do great work. Yeah, you get the best job. You get I to do. advertise the advertising company. <laughs> yes. yes, for yes. the advertisers. Yes, <laughs> to do the advertise. I, it's all very meta yes. and circular. Yeah, I'm um, out there. <laughs> So, but it's an interesting thing. How do you how do you attract talent? I mean, is it outbound? Is it a mixture of things? Is it you're trying to position the content in places that people pick it up and say, "Wow, that's a cool agency. I, I want to see if I could work there." Mm. Um, is it? Yeah. <laughs> what? How do How do you do your job in terms of attract talent? That's such a great question. Here, I'm going to tell you the secret. Ooh. You talk to people. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. I I feel like. Yes, there's lots of channels to attract talent. You can you can post your your jobs. You can, you know, have really great career pages. Um, you you can show up at events. I mean, there's so many ways to to bring people to your attention, and vice versa. And, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, it's about talking to people right. and and being right. present and. Um, being available for them when when they you know when they want to tell you their story like why they want to join Zulu and um, how their craft is you know what they're what they're really good at and mm-hmm. and so I think like trying to take the scariness out of recruitment at the end of the day I t- I just tell recruiters to talk to as many people as you can you know and yeah. and make that your daily habit and that's not just like externally that's also internally there's so many Mm. great people you already have in your organization Mm -hmm. and you could just say hey tell me about your favorite boss or um tell me about the best um copywriter you've ever worked with right so it it because creatives typically have their network of influence Mm -hmm. uh and peers yeah and tapping into that also to build i mean this is the great dream right is that every company is kind of made up of your best friends in some way. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you definitely. could have fun every day, right? Yeah. Uh and and so yeah, it's funny how like a lot of companies set up these sort of like curtains, walls, barriers, mm-hmm. uh ultimately like forms of bureaucracy to get people in the door. And then most people are like, I don't want to do that work. Like I'm not gonna do the work. <laughs> I'll do the work when I have the job, you know. Yes. I'm not gonna do the work to get the job. Well well uh Zulu doesn't believe in spec. Oh, I thought you were going to say work. <laughs> yeah. At least here in Canada, we don't do spec work. So when it comes to like 
Um, I'll give you a great example. When you are part of our employeeship program, so you come in for the day, uh, you you show your stuff, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you're it's it's not. It's competitive, I guess, because there's usually 20 students or, you know, a group of students, and they're trying to get their first job. And so- This is co- like internship. You're yeah, talking. it's kind of- But you of call it employment Because they get, they actually get a job. Oh, they don't, okay. they're not like, so like a three-month study. contract. Yeah. But this is like uh, graduates, not uh, people at school. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and so even them, you know, they're, they're paid for their time um, when they show up for those eight hours that day. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's super interesting because I think the the what I would say is that the potentiality for uh, creationism through commercial means is greater than ever before in the sense that we have larger a larger palette of media to work with. So the industry is exciting to participate in. Mm-hmm. Young graduates, new graduates coming into the workforce for the first time are probably. Uh, surprised to find organizations like Zulu Alpha Kilo that are kind of like wicked let's do some cool stuff mm-hmm. and we want to see what you can do and we want to see how enjoy you know how you enjoy doing it um as opposed to this kind of like you know task based interview process kind of scrum <laughs> that like conventional industry has mm-hmm. um i can't even imagine what it takes to you know get a job at WPP or something but anyway, <laughs> don't talk about them here. Yeah. Who are those people? <laughs> those big network agencies. <laughs> the amalgams, all the global amalgams of like 50,000 staff. We've had interactions with some of, maybe not WPP, but some other like super large globally distributed agencies that are mm-hmm. part of these, you know, amalgamated, federated, whateverated, <laughs> overrated, massive agencies. And, um, and you know the the one thing that always happens when when we're dealing with them as Startwell, um, not hiring these people, but typically trying to facilitate uh, their coming together, you know, like booking meeting space and stuff for them, is the people that reach out to us from these organizations are so not empowered to be contacting us about even booking a meeting room, <laughs> you know, and it's just yeah. bureaucracy. It doesn't matter like what industry you're in; it's the same thing in 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 every industry. Uh, so empowerment is super important because it means that people then can do good for each other, you know, and uh, that's at least from our lens. Um, that's one of the reasons I love Zulu, actually. And, and I mean that in a, the truest, purest way that being in an independent agency, you really have the ability to put your fingerprint on the organization like that independence, that entrepreneurship is part of our everyday DNA at Zulu. And so whether you're a new joiner, like early in your career to the most experienced people Mm -hmm. at uh, Zulu, you have the opportunity to really make a difference there. And I think that's, they notice that right from the employeeship, like Mm -hmm. when they're, when they're doing that employeeship, everyone walks away, not one, everyone walks away going, oh my gosh, that really taught me something about how I'm going to have to show up in the interviews ahead of me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think in in any case, in any case, I think they walk away going, 
now I want to be at Zulu. Like mm -hmm. if they didn't feel that before, which many do, and I, I don't want to come across as arrogant, but yeah. they do follow us at school. They know about us before they come there. But when they come and have that experience, mm -hmm. they know like this is going to make a difference in the career. Um, yeah, it's like us downstairs and, and grabbing a <laughs> cappuccino from the barista, And your right? T-Bot, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, we want people right when they walk in the door to be like, this is awesome, I'm going to have a great day. Yes, so, I felt it. I'm I felt happy it. to hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, so three physical locations yes. make up the kind of like offices. What are the offices like of your agency? Well, I've joined during the pandemic, right? And Zach did this really cool thing and bought a building in Leslieville. Ah, yes. And actually, this past week or the week before, it's being renovated. Okay. So we're in a in a spot where you know places like yours, <laughs> yeah, come in are, handy. Right? Come in yeah. very very handy because we are about to have probably several months ahead of us where. It won't be a place where we can work, but we need places to work. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll talk off camera about that more. <laughs> there but, you go, a sales pitch. <laughs> but this is really interesting. If if the agency is kind of developing its own physical footprint and it's mm -hmm. like design specced, uh, I'm so intrigued to know what the experience of the employees is that's being you know taken into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, designing employee experiences is really important in attracting talent, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it goes from every touch point, from the moment they're in school, like, do they hear about you? Do they know you? To the moment they talk to a recruiter for the first time. Right. To meeting the team, like, how does that all flow? How does it feel? Um, to the first day walking in the office, mm -hmm. how, how, do the, how does that feel? Yeah. Uh, to onboarding and that experience, do they learn enough about your organization that they could sell your your company, right? Right. right. Uh, to their their manager and every touch point through that that lived experience as as a colleague, and it doesn't end there <laughs> because no. your exit interview process should just be as flawless right. as as your recruitment process, and I think the best companies mm -hmm. take it a little bit further. And use the exit process as a way to learn, right? So how am I going to learn um, from what this employee has shared, good or bad, and either capitalize on it or um, have action, right? Mm -hmm. Because what if they hear something bad, you know? And, um, and then if I were to plus plus that, you would go back to that employee and say, hey, here's what we did with your feedback. And I welcome you coming back and visiting us again, you know, becoming a colleague. We have sure. so many boomerangs at, uh, at Sulu. So, you know, when when the whole employee experience is valued mm -hmm. from, you know, college <laughs> um, or even earlier mm -hmm. to, to the time that they're a part of your alumni, you've got magic. You, you, you've, you've earned magic. Uh, the right to to attract people and to and to retain them for sure. Um, how do the different cities that you're in relate to each other in terms of the kind of talent experience, employee experience? Well, I'm the one, <laughs> so it's probably pretty consistent. Um, but as far as like what what the employee experience would be like for each one of them, 
I would say that, you know, there's different possibilities of benefits and translation of like what the employee might get from a um, a payroll standpoint might be different because different countries different, have different. Yeah, because because each each city is dealing with local clients yep. is the idea. Yeah. But uh, as an employee of like, if I'm in Toronto and I work at Zach, I yep. work for Zach at Zach. <laughs> um, and I'm like, you know what? I would love to go to Vancouver for six months. That's possible. And so they could work out of the Vancouver office, right? You can work anywhere in the world. Right. <laughs> but if you want to go to the Vancouver office or if you want to go to New York City, that's a yes. How do the offices work or what's the plan? I know you're in renovation for this Toronto one, but like how will the offices work as talent attraction sites? Is that something that has a specific function? I think so, because, you know, these are major sites, right? Like Vancouver kind of gets the West Coast. New York City helps us to build our international presence, right? Um, we had it before, but it's just, it, it does help it. It's a major market. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, I, I think when people, when people join, it, it, it excites them at the idea that they might be working on a New York City client, but they're in Toronto. Right. Or it excites them that they might be in Vancouver and get to work on a Toronto client or New York City. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it really helps with your talent attraction. Um, now, in, you said in Leslieville here in Toronto, which for our international or out of Toronto listeners and viewers, let's break down the neighborhood. Because I think it's interesting to have a creative office in a residential or mixed-use neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, are you guys on Queen Street? Yeah, right, like right at the corner of Queen and Logan, practically. So that's a major east-west kind of uh, artery that is typically ground floor commercial, residential, upstairs, classic old street in Toronto. <laughs> Beautiful. A really nice little pocket neighborhood that's super close to the core, financial core, because in Toronto, the downtown typically has just been relevant to law firms you know, and banks. <laughs> Unfortunately, but yeah, the financial district, the financial <laughs> district. Yeah, we don't call it downtown. We're all downtown, downtown, but they're in the financial district. So it's a cool place to actually rock up with uh, an agency because historically and the counterbalance is the history of this uh, organization, which is taxi mm -hmm. uh, agencies typically have been in the West, downtown West. Right. Yes. And yeah. I feel like, well, you know, we have a lot of uh, the team that lives towards there. So I know that that might have taken a play in it. Mm -hmm. But really, ultimately, Leslieville is a beautiful up-and-coming place. Mm -hmm. It has a mix of, like, boutique shops and restaurants all nearby. Um, the building itself is gorgeous. I love it. It's a two-story building, um, very high ceilings, big windows. And although I haven't seen the specs on like what it's going to look like post, oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen them yet. I'm probably going to get those shared shortly. I, I hope, but um, I imagine, well, what I know is going to happen is we worked with Deloitte and we've worked with great designers and, and such to make the experience of coming to, coming to the office much like yours. Right. Yeah. Um, fun, fun and enjoyable. Comfy. Like, yeah, like if you want to just sit at your desk and work, you can do that at home. We all know that. Like we just did it for the past two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming to the office, it's got to be fun, creative, collaborative. Um, it has to have big spaces where you can have big groups and strategy. So it, it will be fun. I can't wait to see it. I really can't. Yeah, I think it's really cool, especially this idea of like 
like being in a kind of comfy neighborhood sets the context for when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and having retail access as well. I mean, for us, for Startwell, it's always been the thing. Mm-hmm. The first Startwell that no one knows about, although I keep saying this like on the mic so people who watch and listen will know about it. Um, Startwell <laughs> was originally in 2017. I started uh, as a ground floor retail shop next to, in, in St. Clair West, which is mm. right where I live, down the road from my house. Uh, and it was a retail storefront, um, communal neighborhood co-working was the idea, mm-hmm. ahead of its time for Toronto. If maybe we had continued building these shops out post-pandemic, it would have been replaced all the Starbucks locations that closed down. Uh, but I was so adamant, and I have been so adamant that you know we have this connection to the neighborhood, that that first location, which only lasted two years, at least was up, we closed it, uh, moved down here to King Street. But... Uh, I got a check for like 20 grand uh, as a seed investment from the butcher next door. Get out. Just so that we would have like, you know, skin in the game in the neighborhood. That's awesome. Uh, when we closed it, I paid him back, you know, <laughs> uh, and it was all good vibes. But uh, it was really cool that the, like the butcher owned part of the co-working space. That's amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Ben Latchford. Thanks, man. Hi, Ben. Um, <laughs> best butcher in the city, roast. If anyone's looking for a butcher, I know it's not. You know, it's it's gauche to be talking about meat these days. But I I am a vegetarian, just so you know. See, <laughs> but I have meat eaters in my family, there and I go. love them. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So bring it back. So retail and uh, and this idea of pedestrian flow super important for me for the creative process and for inspiring people when they come into a building. Yes. Um, and neighborhood vibes. Uh, so the other two offices in New York and in Vancouver, mm-hmm. what's the setup? Are they? Yeah. So the the Vancouver one is kind of like we share like that kind of environment. Um, so we we rent a space. We've outgrown the space. Okay. So we'll probably have an actual office. I'm assuming in the very new, near future. Cool. Our uh, our colleagues in New York are are virtual more on a virtual basis mm. right now, mm-hmm. um, but those discussions are also in place. So we'll uh, we'll be sharing those that news nice. as as it arises. But um, but yeah, like you have to have place like in these places, mm-hmm. Vancouver, mm-hmm. New York. You ha- you actually have to have an office. So we'll uh, we'll be having um, you know offices in the future as well. It's interesting because in New York. Uh, speaking specifically about New York right now, it's such an exciting time for anyone looking for space because mm-hmm. there's so many options available. I've um, heard that, yeah. And the pricing is great. And so it's really kind of exciting, I would think, for anyone in creative you know, creative fields to be able to choose where they want to be. You, you actually have the choice. You didn't mm-hmm. have it four years ago. Now there's like 30% vacancy rate, 40% vacancy rate in yeah. office space in Manhattan. Maybe we'll save a little money too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely you can. Yeah, no, there's so much, like, so many papered up windows that, like, tons of retails available. I haven't been in a while, so I haven't seen it. Yeah. But it's going to be sad when uh, I go. <laughs> I don't know. Like, look, I lived in New York in 2004. <laughs> yeah. 2004, five, post 9-11, pretty close. So it was still kind of, they had that, like, dark vibe and, and then the Lower East Side and stuff. People were a little bit bummed out. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, it was still like like I DJ'd at Twilo before it closed down and all these kind of like really interesting spots that don't exist anymore. And uh, saw a slice of, of that old New York that was still gritty, like 
there were very few white people in Harlem when I lived in Harlem. <laughs> you know, it hadn't quote unquote gentrified. Mm-hmm. People were throwing stones in the Starbucks window on 125th Street and Malcolm X Boulevard. Uh, and I was shocked once to see Fab Five Freddy walk in there and come out with a big latte. And so it was still that like old school, new school, you know, sitting on the fence, New York. So when I go back these days, I mean, there is, I always have this like, oh, I was there at a time. And it's not, it doesn't feel like there's a time in New York right now. Um, but I think coming out of the pandemic, there's definitely something happening. Yeah, lots. You know, and for the like the YouTubers who who might be watching this, uh, of course, they'll know about Casey Neistat. Do you know who this chap is? No. Casey Neistat. <laughs> Am I not cool? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I, watch news. I'm just that type of person. No, but like this is the cool thing about the internet, you know, internet <laughs> days, right? So Casey Neistat is a filmmaker uh, who's a very like inspired by DIY ethos, right? Mm. Skater, skate, kind of skateboard culture and, and all this stuff, I think, inspired a lot of his creativity. But... Um, since he was young, him and his brother basically were, were making films with whatever they could grab as equipment. Um, and then that landed them a show on HBO. And, and it was a very, like, I don't think many people know about this show, but they had a show. <laughs> and they made all these cool, like, pastiche, whatever, uh, films. And, uh, and that made up a, a show of all these little, like, vignettes and little scenarios that they made. And then when YouTube came out, he basically was one of the first people to say, wow. This is not just a place for like putting clips on, which YouTube was originally, yes, right? Yep. There's a little clip I shot. Um, he was making little videos and they were just this like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm going there. And uh, there's these, hey, there's a guy walked in my office. Let me talk to him. Um, and he got really like, he kind of almost formed the vernacular for what a vlog is mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and gained great notoriety on YouTube as an attracted filmmaker and uh, DIYers and vloggers as a, as a kind of class of, of creator. Uh, so he was kind of like ahead of the creator capital C revolution, you know, the online creator revolution, pre-social network essentially, but kept vlogging and got, you know, famous. and has like 12 million followers mm-hmm. and all sorts of different I only have two stuff. buttons on my, on my uh, remote control. It's, it's Netflix and YouTube. Oh, they're going to say yeah. forward and backward. <laughs> I don't even There's have no the double in my double forward, but do you remember that? <laughs> I remember this on VHS or even on tapes. Like it was very, very special if you had the double forward, you know, super fast, fast forward. And then you I had do to, have that and too. You, you had to rewind the tape before you took it back to Blockbuster, otherwise they would charge you. <laughs> they would charge you a rewind I fee. I actually just remembered that. I remember that because I actually did get charged. See, I remember that. Well, or my parents did. It's like a bill that you never paid, and now you owe the government ten thousand dollars. And I don't know. Um, but I, I bring. I, I brought. Uh, why did I bring up Casey Nice? Oh yeah. You know, one of the things that I've been picking up on is the guy. Okay, so he basically his career trajectory is interesting, right? So he did all this film stuff, and then you know, at a certain point, his his aesthetic was very much about New York because he was based in New York, and all the videos that he was making were very Manhattan centric. I mean the borrows a little bit uh but he moved and his family moved i guess out to the uh left coast and that didn't last too long and then the recent videos the guy's been posting are all about like okay we're going back to new york we're in new york (laughs) and it's really cool because you could see the energy that he has for being back in the city yeah is obviously great because he's like back in the city he loves right in the same studio that he used to have and 
and uh and, and so he's out there doing stuff and everyone in the in Manhattan knows him so when this guy rolls <laughs> down the street on like you he's know, famous he's famous he is <laughs> he's like vlogging on like man whatever Broadway and people are like turning around being like Casey I don't know how he hasn't been hit by a car it's crazy <laughs> um but so through those videos I'm definitely seeing an interesting thing happening I'm seeing like Casey Neistat fits into this old schooler YouTube culture the old schooler or original the OG creator class yeah. of YouTubers um, and what I'm seeing is that there's almost like a new youth culture in New York where people are kind of like reclaiming the city because of the economic detritus which I also saw you know when I was there 20 years ago or whatever not quite but like 2004 or 5 mm -hmm. the post 9-11 because post 9-11, you had a lot of people like not come back from Connecticut, you know, <laughs> they were like, fuck this. I am not going to get blown up. I'm staying where it's safe. We yeah. got a pool. I'll spend time with my wife because, you know, otherwise she'll divorce me. And this is the third one. I need to make it work. You know what I do think has happened yeah. is I've seen more youth being able to live into the city. Right. So when when the pandemic happened and they were, you know, exiting out of the city, maybe going to live with their parents or someone nearby or maybe maybe just getting out of the city because they've lost their job and it's just too hard to be on their own. Mm -hmm. um, but through the pandemic, you know, that change in probably around April last year, um, where all of a sudden people were like a hot commodity. You know, there there was a need for talent. There was a need for them. And all of a sudden their salaries were increasing because mm -hmm. they were able to demand more. And that has brought them back into the city because now they can afford it. So you talk about, um, you know, and I, I don't know 100%, but, you know, the, the change in the cost of renting and the vacancies in places probably like Toronto and, and New York but what it what it has created is opportunity for youth to come into these mm -hmm. places and and live and work close by where I remember for me, like most of my I'm from Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> the hammer for all the my hammer. hammer my hammer folks out there. I've lived in Oakville for a long time now, but I'm from the hammer and I had to work in Toronto and that was a long commute. I'm not gonna oh, yeah, lie. Coming in from the hammer? Yes. Every day back and forth? Yes. Wow. Of course. That's what yeah. an hour, hour and a half? Oh, at More? least, yeah. Sometimes Traffic. it just depends on well, if if you took the go train versus okay. your car, but I mean, even from Oakville these days, uh, to come to Toronto is on average, like Leslieville, is an hour and 15 minutes for me. Wow. So, um, you know, I think that that's an opportunity for people out there to really understand that the the demographics in the cities are changing. Yeah. And what that, what that could mean, you know, who knows? But I think that is something that companies and brands do need to think about when they're marketing and advertising uh, to folks in the city. Are you seeing, are there any trends that you're seeing in the talent pool that you're uh, attracting and, and having conversations with in terms of this, like, I want to be in an urban context near my coworkers versus I just want to focus and do my thing in my own world? Is, is there a dichotomy? Are they discrete identities or mm -hmm. I, I would say that I'm, I'm hearing like this quite a bit. 
um, that like people want to work where they want to work, mm. right? So that might be at their home. That might be in Mexico, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that that might be with their family in Barcelona. Um, and I think the hardest thing that that companies you know face because of this is is the time zone thing, right? So yeah. if someone is you know in a five hour time difference to your office that they reside for, do work for, client work for, um, you know, what's their flexibility? Like, will they work on Eastern Standard Time or, you know, when they shut down at five, that might be seven o'clock, seven, eight. Oh, yeah. It's a weird might... thing. It's like, okay, you want to surf in Croatia <laughs> as your like lifestyle? That's great, but you can only do it at night. <laughs> <laughs> that won't happen, right? Mm. But I feel like Going back to designing experiences yeah. for our colleagues, I feel like we have to think about that a lot more today than we did five years ago, two years ago even. So this is something that is on the top of minds yeah. of leaders, um, HR people 100%, and of course talent people because we need to tell the story mm -hmm. of why you want to be here. Yeah, and then there's workflow things to that, right? Like how how you, especially technology, how you're utilizing technology to enable uh, your distributed workforce to be able to communicate, mm -hmm. work together. Yeah. Uh, for creatives, there's obviously like amazing cloud-based tools these days, not just for like chatting with each other, but even like working off the same, like, I don't know, some of our listeners may, may, may see this because if they're part of the Google atmosphere or otherwise now I think even... Microsoft has adopted this kind of thing, but like the idea of collaborating on a document together and you could see the other person working on it at the yes. same time. You could do that with video editing. Like we use DaVinci Resolve. Uh, you could get DaVinci Resolve on-prem or like cloud-based server stuff and be editing a film clip together, mm -hmm. distributed. Uh, and you could do that, of course, with I think with Adobe's Creative Suite. Uh, as well but the idea that like people can kind of jam on the same thing no matter yeah. what medium it is is really really powerful for this yeah we we use teams you know and and you have the same kind of capability you can okay. see someone's in there and typing while you are um but when you're designing experiences for your colleagues mm -hmm. you're looking at the physical like when you go to an office what does it feel like what you know how how do employees interact what's the code of conduct you know you're thinking about all of that right but then there's the cultural like why why do people show up here you know what's so awesome about this place how do i feel do i belong mm. um to the technological right so does my systems and all of the things that i use all the tools i use does it make my job enjoyable fun mm -hmm. uh fast because mm -hmm. i i want to get out at five i want to go right. surf surf in vancouver um so so yeah like you ha uh, when you're designing experiences and offices and everything you have to think about all all of those things and on that meta note like especially dealing with distributed or hybrid teams people that might be coming together in offices different offices different cities uh or not at all are you guys thinking forward in terms of like gathering the whole team once a year somewhere ideal or doing team-based offsites in particular cities? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our clients are kind of like obviously come here for that in Toronto when they're gathering in the city uh, and are otherwise like people like Shopify. You have teams that are basically they have set budgets for their offsites and mm -hmm. they all choose together. They're like, you know what? We've never, none of us have been to 
I don't know, anywhere, <laughs> wherever. <laughs> Buenos Aires. <laughs> Let's go. Lovely, right? <laughs> and you'll have like a team from like I don't know Wales go to Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they 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 are a special example. Maybe their budgets are higher than others, but <laughs> I think. <laughs> but bit. yeah, a hundred percent. Like we've we've thought about like Christmas parties or what we call moments that matter. You know, when can we be together for those moments that matter? And that's that's why our offices are going to be designed with that in mind. Like, mm. you know, this is a moment that matters. You're here. You're doing a rehearsal. You're meeting a client. You're doing a big strategy session. You're cuddling together closer than to do your team meetings rather than being on camera. Just and... take the cubicles out of the washrooms. <laughs> we, yeah, we have washrooms too. <laughs> but there's no cubicles in the washrooms. No, what I meant is the dividers. It's like just a room full of open toilets, you know. Share I that moment. I don't think we're going down yeah, that people design might, way. People are not that free and uh, it's not the 70s. <laughs> Yeah. Did they do that in the 70s? No, it was 60s. There you go. Really? Those hippies <laughs> pooing I together. So. I don't think so. <laughs> Unless they were, you know, Woodstock. Uh, um, but no, I think I think we're going to, uh, well, you were talking about the design of offices? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think like the, the spaces will suit the needs of of who were and were, moments that matter. That's kind of and where moments you were that riffing. matter. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah, that's right. right. Um, moments that matter, like the needs um, for those moments that matter. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably have variety of different size spaces. You know, ones that can hold really large teams or really large groups, to maybe really intimate little spots. Like we have these really cool egg chairs. I hope they don't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Zach, I want to buy one. Um, but like they're just like this little capsule that you sit in and you feel like you're in your own little world but you can still see everybody oh, hustling around. Oh, it's a great experience. Yeah. I love those egg chairs. So, um I hope we don't get rid of them, but but we'll have those kinds of soft seating and all sorts of But the idea um, there is actually seating. an important one. You know, it's something that we're pretty focused on is this idea of variable privacy. Mhm. And like is privacy f- in different contexts, privacy that you need for whatever you need it. Maybe auditory, it may be visual. Mhm. It might be, it's like multi-sensorial, this idea of privacy. You might yeah. not want to smell people's lunch, but be this in the lunchroom, you know? <laughs> like, I want to see, I want to eat, but I don't want to smell your food. I don't know. That's just a random example. I don't know but... if we've designed our offices <laughs> like that, but that's a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, these are the things I think about. Um, but it's very cool to hear that the agency's growing. And Thank that, you. Uh, you know, you're able to uh, attract global talent, especially to a Canadian company, I mm-hmm. think is really cool. Is there anything that you'd say to that note? Um, you know, the the brand of Canada and does it play into your process? You know what? I, when I think about Toronto mm-hmm. and here in our founding office, you know, Toronto is one of the most diverse countries or sorry, cities in 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 the country, our country, country, and, state, <laughs> city. Oh my goodness! Sorry, West Coast. I didn't it's like mean the that. Vatican. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. Toronto, the country. Yeah, um, the di- ethnic diversity Tron- per capita in Toronto, the city, <laughs> the which city. feels like a country because it's so big, is bar. I misspoke. It's almost bar none in the world. Like you know, uh, it's true. <laughs> but the yeah. but the great thing about Toronto is the diversity, right? Yeah. And 
And that world stage, those world views are all right here. Um, so I, I feel like that's, that's wonderful. We have that here. I don't know if we have it in every office. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, making sure that when we are recruiting, no matter where we are, um, whether it is Toronto, Vancouver, you know, uh, New York City or, or someone totally remote, it's, it's bringing those different perspectives, those different lived experiences to our organization and that diversity matters. Um, but even more importantly mm. is that we create an environment where they're heard and seen and feel like they belong. Right. So that's, that's the harder part. <laughs> you know, it's quite, you know, in Toronto, you know, there are a lot of places you can look around and say, Hey, there are, there's a lot of really diverse talent out here, but attracting them to our industry first, first and foremost, mm. right. Because um, that's that's a historical thing, mm -hmm. um, uh, and then attracting them to Zulu, and then once you have folks joining, that everyone feels like they belong. Yeah, a place for the people, and a place where every person's voice is is authentically welcome. You know, and 100%. I think right, and like this mm -hmm. is the, this is a great paradox. You know, it's, that's why it's funny to use the word advertising because I think in today's age, it's especially with the mediums at play, it's easier than ever to encourage authentic narrative and communication with customers for brands. Right, this is the whole thing. Brands can be living, breathing things. Finally, uh, it's not just cigarette ads in the back of the magazine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the one that the one brand that I've had my eye on for a while, but was most proud of was Patagonia um, yeah. and what I saw, what they did. Um, and when they had put out that narrative that the earth, the world, is their new shareholder. Right. I, like, my mouth dropped. Like, and when I read Yvonne's message and I was reading through it, immediately in my mind, I was like, not only is this the coolest thing, mm -hmm. like they're in the business of purpose, mm -hmm. I think is what the language he used. But imagine what that did for their company that day. Like if you were in the mood for a new hoodie, mm -hmm. I bet you went to Patagonia's website. Right. If you were thinking about, I'm ready to make a change and I want, I want to be at a place that Ma that my values are mattered. Mm -hmm. I bet you, if your values aligned to Patagonia, right. you looked at their job site that day. Like that was such a monumental change in how brands can show up and how how what your brand message means and how that translates into every aspect of your business, whether it's the joy in the work and 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 the products that you're delivering to the joy that you bring by having someone join your company that shares your values. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, that's one example of many that have kind of come up and said, hey, you know, I also believe in this. Like um, Lululemon, um, I think they bought like a piece of land or have a piece of land in uh, Vancouver. And they're really like trying to conservation, trying land? to protect it. Yeah. Like trying to protect this land for future generations. And yeah. those are all really important. And Lululemon is a Canadian brand, so I really respect that. Oh yeah, no, I think there's there's definitely an undercurrent in Canada of people 
you know, hopefully because of our connection to land, given that this country is so large, so we traverse it often mm-hmm. uh, as urban dwellers visiting other cities. But um, but yeah, I, I think the idea of our connection uh, connectivity to land is, is an important one because I think not only in the sense of stewardship, but in the acceptance of change as a natural phenomenon mm-hmm. uh, and in shared space, you know, for us here at Starwell, is something I think about. The idea that though this is an internal atmosphere, this is a inside of a building uh, experience that we offer, right? And unfortunately, I pay a pound of flesh every month to rent it, <laughs> to offer it then to other people. Uh, and this is also goes back to your idea of, of or or the story of, of you guys owning your own office is really interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. it gives uh, the organization so much more power to utilize that uh, asset, that real estate, uh, in so many different ways. Yeah, it's it it, it adds to our independence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so I think that's interesting. I think definitely I've heard of Canadian companies, a number of them that are doing this. Um, I think it's part of our culture to respect nature, to celebrate diversity and lift people up. Uh, and I hope that, you know, a lot of our audience is, is uh, traditionally with start. Well, it, it comes from the, the startup community and tech community. And I think the pandemic and the recession that we're going through and the like lack of fluidity in, in capital uh, sources for, for VC backed companies is kind of a reckoning for people to go back to this like bootstrap mentality of, understanding what cash flow is <laughs> and focusing on sustainability. And so yes. if sustainability is a core principle in business, then it can naturally support the people that make the business mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and hopefully positively impact their, their sense of empowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to what you said about, you know, the having a building that you're proud of, you know, when, when I think about walking down streets of Toronto and I see like, Someone paints the outside of their building. Someone decorates, you know, with lights or a, a sign. Um, I think of that interconnectedness mm-hmm. of ourselves and our brands and even just value. Um, so when when brands like start well, you know, when you walk, when you like I joked about, I would have loved to peer in your window and see what it looks like at night or, or, or such. Yeah. Um, but like you're really what you're really saying is that I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be part of this community. I want to show you because I'm going to I'm going to, you know, clean this building up. I'm going to decorate the front. Um you're going to be proud to walk down the street because I care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what good brands do. They they care not only about their brand, their people, um, how they show up for their customers, but they also care about their communities and how they show up for their community. So kudos to you. I loved the front <laughs> of your building. I loved walking in. <laughs> and and I'm sure that your your customers feel it too. We hope so. Mm-hmm. That's been the experience so far. That's the feedback we get. And, and, and it only gets better. Like every year our patio gets better in the summer. <laughs> And it's more welcoming to the neighbors. And we, we enjoy seeing people come, even if they're not our customers, to sit on our picnic tables and like oh, enjoy the sunnies. evening and watch the sun go down and stuff. So, yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. It was such it a was nice time pleasure. talking. Um, I'm sure there's lots in our conversation that our audience will enjoy. And uh, and let's welcome them to contact us. If you, uh, if you have any questions uh, and you're watching this or listening to this, feel free to jump over to startwell.co. Uh, and uh, use the contact form to drop us a line. (laughs) 
Uh, if there's anything that listeners or viewers uh, want to ask about, what would you recommend for them to contact you directly or contact yeah. Zulu Alpha Kilo? Well, I would say, you know, the, the, there's this big network called LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and you'll find me there, uh, Sylvia Smiley. Um, so please go check it out and, uh, and you know, reach out to me if, uh, if you wish to talk more. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show page for this one. Thank you. Awesome. It was (laughs) absolutely a pleasure. It was so nice. Thank you so much. Of course.